Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play podcast. Today we are going to be breaking down the NFC East, and I am joined by Florida man himself, Leo Sauce Castillo Jr. How you doing? What's up, man? I've been able to get outside a little bit since the last time we recorded. I feel refreshed. I got out of lockdown a little bit because you know Florida doesn't care. Florida does not care. Uh, I had to go to a state that cares a little less to get away from it, so I guess I was a bit of a fugitive. Uh, but I did the same thing. I went outside and went to a beach. Um, you actually may have seen me on the news, depending on where you were at, because uh, <laughs> I was in Ocean City, Maryland, and that place got bombed, uh, at least here. Really? It was packed? Oh, man, it was packed. And they ran a bunch of exposés on how busy the boardwalk was with no masks and everything. Uh-huh. Now, I'm going to tell you, I, I was not part of that no mask crew. I do have a mask. I have a couple masks. My girlfriend always wear masks when we go out. Um, you know, we go into a store. I do not drive with the mask on. People that drive with the mask on are terrorists. Uh, you don't need All to right, do so that. You might judge me, right? But I have I have two masks in my car. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really only putting them on if I'm going to a store that's requiring it. You know, like I'm not going to be that dickhead that's like, hey, I don't want to wear the mask. Right. I want to shot. No, like if I got to wear the mask, I'm going to wear the mask. Correct. But if you're telling me that I don't have to wear it. I'm not probably gonna. not putting it on yeah maryland had a law that you have to wear it when you're inside any building so uh-huh. i had to wear it but like i'm walking like in Ocean city you walk everywhere so walking across the street i don't have a mask on okay i have it in my pocket i put it on right before i go in the store um but a bunch of bars were doing like kind of like street service so you could uh-huh. walk up get a beer now you're not allowed to drink in the street but you know the way i looked at it was cops were kind of like very lenient on it plus they'd much rather you get in the car and slap you with a dui than a public intoxication so you know from, yeah that sounds about right yeah i'm like you know this this makes perfect sense but so we were all just i i got a place right next to the uh right next to a bar so i would just drink and we played some board games drank on the porch drank uh, on the beach and just went up to the bar to get drinks if we needed them so uh, you know, I got a little bit of a R and R too, uh, and it doesn't. It look... feels good to be outside again after a little while. Look, I was tempted to fly down to Florida, um, <laughs> and I, I still There's no rules down here right now. Look, I still might. I might be like, I'm just gonna hop on a plane and go to Florida, and then take a vacation down there where they don't have rules. You know, so. To uh... be fair, I went to the beach last week on Thursday. Yeah, on Thursday morning, I went to the beach, and the beach was empty over in St. Petersburg. Mm. Now, by the time I left around noon or 1, it was starting to get a little packed, but I was surprised. We had a few hours at the beach that were pretty quiet and undisturbed. What's funny is my friends, and uh, I have another friend uh, lives kind of near you. Uh, He said something very similar. He also said that when he got towards... uh, um, when he left the beach like 2 p.m. that the cops were turning people away from the beach so nobody else was allowed on so he kind of got in when there wasn't many people and the cops started turning it away so he felt like it was kind of like a private beach for a little bit yeah that's how i felt too me and my girl we put down this little beach tent that we have and the nearest the nearest person was probably like half a mile from us it was was amazing yeah no it looked it looked good for everyone overall Ah, and you know, we're going to need that break, breaking down the NFC East, because this is probably uh, a tale of two sides here, and both very different, where you've got the Eagles and the and the Cowboys who are definitely contending uh, for a Super Bowl this year in terms of fan expectation and team expectation, and on the other side of the coin, you've got two teams in the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins that are just fighting to put sta- uh, fans in the stands. So as we break down this, I think there's a pretty big cliff I, uh, between these these two two sides, and all the moving parts uh, are really, really detrimental to uh, trying to maintain some balance as well as competitive nature amongst this division. Uh, before we get started, uh, there's something about the NFC East that I think we all hate. And that's the fact that the uh, almost every single team in this division gets like nine primetime games every year. How uh, every, every year. year. You forced me to watch the Cowboys and Redskins. I think this year was the first year that they 
uh, actually made changes to it. I don't see the Giants and the Redskins with a bunch of primetime games, which is great. I'm sick they of watching them. They combined for seven wins last year, so don't, please don't shove them down my throat. Look, they combine, for, they combine for seven wins every year, and they still get shoved down <laughs> our throat. So I'm glad they changed it. And a big reason why they get shoved down your throat, the truth is most of our parents around, the, around America, most of our parents watched these teams dominate the 80s and the 90s uh pretty much across the board uh you've got the cowboys dynasty the redskins had a dynasty and the new york football giants won two super bowls with lawrence taylor uh and um phil sims so you know during there was a stretch where those teams contributed to eight of like 12 super bowls so there's a reason they put them on tv uh, they were a big reason why the AFC didn't win a Super Bowl for a very long time. Them and the 49ers. Pretty much those three teams shut an entire generation entire generation of AFC teams completely out. I think the NFC at one point had won something like 16 titles in a row. Uh, it's a little... Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even know that. It's Holy a, shit. Yeah, it's a little alluded to in The Last Dance. Not to do some cross-platform here, but in The Last Dance, Phil kind of makes a remark they get over detroit they you know make it they win uh the championship and they said that it felt like a swing in the tide uh and he does mention uh, uh the football how the nfc had won a bunch in a row uh and there was a swing in tide in the nfl as well uh this this is very similar this was the swing in the tide that phil jackson was mentioning um there was a stretch where the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Redskins won every single Super Bowl. Um, I think it was finally broken up by the Broncos. I'd have to double check. Uh, but in that stretch, Buffalo lost four straight Super Bowls. Uh, there's a 30 for 30 on it called the four. Falls to Buffalo. But not to digress into a historical uh, study on the NFL, let's go ahead and break these teams down. Now, as we break them down, we break them into buckets. The first bucket is we rank their head coaches. Then we rank the offensive talent minus the quarterback. We break down the defensive talent. Then we break down the quarterback. We take a look at the Vegas wins and losses. And then we set out on our own to give it our own win-loss projection. So without further ado, let's break down the head coaching ranks in the NFC East. I'll go ahead and start. My number one, I give it to Doug Peterson. Uh, he's the most recent Super Bowl winner. I think that team's a contender every single year and makes the playoffs. They deal with a rash of injuries, which they got to figure out. But I think Doug Peterson's my one. My number two is the Dallas Cowboys. I like Mike McCarthy. I'm going to say it. I like Mike McCarthy. I think that uh, anyone's an upgrade over Garrett. I think McCarthy is a Super Bowl. McCarthy is a Super Bowl winner. Perennial playoff coach. Give me Mike McCarthy. I followed up with Ron Rivera. Uh, gone to a Super Bowl. Um, now in, in Washington. New head coach there. And then I followed up with Joe Judge, uh, who is a assistant coach from the uh, Patriots, which means that he will be a bad head coach if we're just looking at record of Patriots assistants in the NFL. Maybe we see a new wave here. Maybe with Flores down in uh, Miami, uh, we see Joe Judge kind of round a corner. I don't know, but I haven't seen anything from uh, Bill Belichick's tree to make me rank them any differently. How do you got them laid out? I have them laid out the exact same order as you. So to avoid rehashing what you just said, I have a question for you. Yep. So... Last episode when we were talking about Dan Quinn, I remember that you said that the team's uh, strength and conditioning staff, uh, that's got to be on the head coach. Yep. If, if the players can't stay healthy, you got to ding the coach for that because he's the one that hired the strength and conditioning staff. How does that apply, that same logic apply to Doug Peterson? Is he still number one because he won the Super Bowl or... You know, do we have to factor in the fact that every single year their quarterback is hurt, the, their receivers are hurt, every year they got a laundry list of, of IR? So yeah. how, do you, how do you break those two things down? I, I, I factors into my decision the same. Uh, it's one of those things where I go, 
Yep, you deal with a lot of injuries as a head coach. Uh, Doug Peterson's dealt with more than his fair share. Again, I do put that a little bit on the strength and conditioning. Uh, but then I look deeper, you know. Uh, how do you perform with your backups? And how's your coaching, right? When your backups come in and you still win a Super Bowl, I got to say you're doing something right. Uh, when, you, when you lose your wide receiving core but still make the playoffs like they did last year. I mean, they lost their entire wide receiver core. Uh, I, I think that uh, there was a stat that Carson Wentz didn't throw more than like 400 yards to any wide receiver. Uh, y- you you overcome them somehow. It's got to be through coaching because uh, your talent obviously uh, is injured. So what's making that up? It's coaching. So do I hold it against them? Yes. Uh, do I still think that when I look at the list of other coaches on uh, you know he's going up against, he's still number one. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there. Uh, again, I'm just trying to throw you a curveball because yeah. I agree with the coach rankings. Uh, I think it's clearly Peterson, McCarthy, uh, Ron, Rivera, yeah. and then Judge. Yep, Joe Judge. Joe Judge. And that's going to be interesting. Uh, it is It is funny to me. Um, you look at teams. The only team that didn't win a Super Bowl in you know those 80s and 90s like we were talking about uh, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they're the only franchise out of this group that's won a Super Bowl since the 2000, uh, not 2000, technically, but 2000 and what, 10 after that. Um, the, the Giants had two with Eli, uh, but they're the only franchise that seems to be actually stuck correctly and running as an organization. So um, it's just an interesting flip of dynamics. Um and, and the next thing we're, we get into here is how the team's built. We've talked about who's running the team. So how do you have the offensive talent broken down here? Uh, I'm going to go with, and it, I feel like most of this podcast, our top two rankings are going to be debating between the Cowboys and Eagles. Um, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys having more offensive talent. The, the Cowboys, they have the offensive line. We already know about that. Uh, they've got... Uh, they've got Zeke, one of the top running backs in the league. They've got Amari Cooper. They just drafted C.D. Lamb. Uh, they've got weapons on the offense. They've got the pieces to protect, uh, Protect what's his name, uh, Dak Prescott, I'm yep. sorry. And, uh, and I just give them the overall advantage over Philly because I don't know what Philly's doing about their run game still. Miles My- Sanders looked good last year, but he's not Zeke. And the Cowboys got him beat at wide out as well. So I, I think I almost have to put the Cowboys as number one. Uh, number two, I, I got to give it to the Eagles because I can't say that their offense is worse than the Giants or the Redskins. That would be an insult. Um, yeah. But it, when they're healthy, they've got Alshon Jeffrey. They just drafted Jalen Rager. Um, you know, the run game, you know, Miles Sanders, He's he, he looks promising. We'll see with Miles Sanders, but you got to put Philly right behind Dallas, uh, behind those two between the Redskins and Giants and offensive talent. Uh, I don't even know, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess I'll take the Redskins. I'll take the Redskins because at least they have a decent young receiver core. They have a couple young running backs even though none of their running backs seem to be able to play. No. It's a shame. Uh, I don't know. There's more to work with in Washington than I think there is in New York, so I'll go with the Redskins third and Giants last. Yeah, and and I, I same rankings as you with offensive talent here. Um, I've got the Cowboys at one. I don't think that's disputed. They have top five running back, probably a top fifteen wide receiver in Cooper. They add they add weapons in the off season um, through the draft. Uh, you know they still have with C.D. Lamb. They still have Michael Gallup, um, so they're going to have a pretty good. Their front line rotation is pretty strong. Uh, Zeke, Cooper, Gallup, Lamb. That's that's probably is is that's really good. Like that's that's a you wish you had <laughs> yeah, like a yeah, that's no, good as shit. Yeah, you. I wish I had like a DeAndre Hopkins to lead that group instead of Cooper. I still think Cooper's good, uh, but that's the only thing they're missing is like the top three wide receiver. Uh, they've got a good offensive line. Eagles. Um, the Eagles could be sneaky good this year. Uh, he, you know, I actually really like what I saw with Miles Sam, Sanders. So uh, I do like their running back, obviously not Zeke. Their wide receiver core, though, has a chance to be, if healthy, like pretty freaking good. 
Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Marquise Goodwin, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager would be their top four. So uh, It sounds like they got the all-injury team is what it sounds they, like to me at wide receiver. They kind of do. Um, now they also have Zach Ertz. They're the best tight end in the division. Uh, but, you know, week one, if that team's healthy, Alshon Jeffrey is a good possession receiver to get you down. So Sean Jackson, who had a f- kind of – he's always injured. Last year was a freak injury that kept him out the whole year. Um, we don't know what we're going to get with Rager, but I have them number two as well. Number three for me is the Redskins. Uh, they have – and it's only Redskins because of, because of Terry McLaurin. If, I do like Terry McLaurin. If it wasn't for him, there's no way – I mean, listen to this. Here's their number two. Their number two is Steven Sims. Their number three is Kelvin Harmon. Uh, Wait, what happened to my boy, uh, what's his name, uh, Trey Quinn, I think? He was a rookie last year? Trey? I think he was a rookie last year. I don't see him listed on their depth chart. Oh, no. Yeah. All right, maybe he's not on the team anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do not see him on the Redskins homepage depth chart. Uh, now, how how real this depth chart is, I guess, is a, is a different question. Because uh, it looks like they're missing a couple people from here, um, so it, I wouldn't take it past the Redskins home site to be uh, not accurate. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> okay, no, I I'm guess. sorry. Trey Quinn looks like last year was his second year with the Skins. Okay, and he didn't really even do much, so let's not spend much they, time talking. Yeah, they don't have a whole. They don't have him on the in, uh, depth list. Uh, the only thing that saves this team in number three in my eyes is their offensive line has some talent. Um, they the from Morgan Moses, who seems like he, he's getting it together. Uh, they've got uh, – they did lose Brandon Williams, but uh, with Brandon Sheriff in there, they have a pro bowler. So I like their offensive line town a little more. Um, New York Giants, I there is so little to fucking care about on this offense. Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I care. Uh, they add a rookie Andrew Thomas to their line. They have Saquon Barkley, who needs to get better at pass blocking. is a pass protection, a phenomenal runner. This this Giants team is just void of talent on on both sides. So let's skip over. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good on all Giants. Yeah, I think the Giants are going to come in fourth on almost every single thing we do here. Uh, Defensive talent. I'll start. Uh, I have the number one team. I think in this division for me is going to be the Cowboys. They get after the quarterback. Uh, they added Alden Smith, which is going to be a a, a weird thing. Uh, how he performs. Uh, they have a great linebacking core. They've got a pretty good uh, defensive line. They have uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe. So they got some beef. Uh, they've their their cornerbacks are okay. Uh, their safety, haha, Clinton Dix, who seems to be a bit of a journeyman, and Xavier Woods. Uh, so for me, the Dallas defense ranks number one. Number two, I have Philly. They have a great rotational uh, front. Um, they have no corners. Uh, they have no corners whatsoever. But they do have a good uh, rotational front. And I think ranking them number two more speaks to this division. Uh, number three for me is the is the Redskins. They have the potential to have the most dominant front four, I think, in this division, if it all pans out. But really, nothing behind them whatsoever. Um, and their their star talent's going to rely on Chase Young, who we think is going to be great. But that's that's really one player. They have some good depth. They you know uh, they have uh, what is it? Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. They've drafted some guys. Um, but that's really it for their defense. And then the Giants, who were one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year, really didn't do anything to change that. They drafted a bunch of players, so we don't know how that's going to turn out. And then uh, who was the cornerback they just had who got arrested? Uh, Baker? Oh, man. Um, DeAndre Baker. I'll, I'll come up yeah, with Yeah, DeAndre Baker. Okay, there, there you go, Baker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who got arrested. He was their best corner. Um and now we have no clue what's going to happen to him. So, uh, you know. What? To me, you know, I, is... I saw a little bit about the story, but I didn't dig too deep into it. What, what was the story that he lost a bet and then came back to try to reclaim his money? Do you know the full story? Uh, no. I, I saw that um, it all spun up on uh, gambling. And he right. got in over his head. And I'm like, you know, this Jordan Doc is just getting to people. 
<laughs> so, you know. You think he saw the last dance and needed to get some action? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, you know, there was a stretch where... Uh, I, I think that every with the quarantine, you've got a lot more eyes on you, and people are more likely to get in trouble, and we just saw, like, a run of that. Um, whereas opposed to, you know, run-of-the-mill incidents kind of get swept under the rug. Now everything's, like, really out in the open, and there's no way to hide anything. If something happens, everyone's going to know about it because there's so little happening. So Right, right. Everyone's thirsty for content, so they're going to jump on everything. Everything. All right, how do you got these defenses laid out? I have it laid out the same way as you. I really don't even have anything to add on that. The only thing that I have to add is that I'm interested in seeing that the Redskins front line. Um, it seems like every year they're drafting someone on the defensive line, so you would think at, at, at some point it's going to all come together and they're going to they're going to be able to field a decent defense. Um, the Giants, I, I don't have anything to say about the Giants. We we can move on to quarterbacks. Yeah, let's slide over. Uh, so rank your quarterbacks. Fire it in. All right. I, uh, I've been debating since we started the show whether I'm going to give Dak or Wentz the number one spot. I'm not really crazy about either of them, to be honest. But I think that the best quarterback in the division is Carson Wentz. I, I would be way more excited to say Carson Wentz if he could ever stay on the field. You know, I, availability is the best ability, as they say. Yeah. And this man's always hurt. Uh, so, you know, if you want to factor in health, I could see why Dak would be your number one. But as based solely on talent, I think that Carson Wentz is the most talented player or the most talented quarterback, rather, in the division. I think if you put him on the Cowboys and took Dak off the Cowboys, this team would be probably a 12, or the Cowboys would be a 12 or a 13 win team. Um, but next, I got Dak after that. Um, after Dak, choosing between Daniel Jones and Haskins is not fun, but I'll go Daniel Jones and then Haskins. I'm not a Dwayne Haskins believer. No, neither am I. I have the exact same list. We're actually identical across the board for the East, which uh, I think is a good thing for us. Um, I think it, it does show that divide between one and two and three and four. Uh, but again, I, I think Wentz is the best quarterback in that division. I think that Dak Prescott will be better under Mike McCarthy and Jake, Jason Garrett stifling. I, don't, I didn't see anything in Haskins, and I watched him pretty closely where I thought that guy could be a good quarterback. Every little intangible he did wrong for me. Every little red flag, he went ahead and stuck that red flag up. Um, Daniel, I know Red, Redskins fans will say that towards the end of the year, he, he turned it up a little bit, but I didn't see that. No. <laughs> if, if that happened, I missed it completely. I mean, I live in Redskin country here. They practice five minutes from my house. Their facility is five minutes from my house. Uh, the, look, they he showed nothing um the only thing skins fan said was you know the head coach wasn't really a head coach and that's true and he was you know in replacement of jay gruden so Dwayne haskins really didn't get an offense to grow in so i said okay throw out every single thing you saw of him on the field which you know wasn't good let's look at his extracurriculars he is constantly one of the last people in the building to study and learn. He was one of the last all last year. At the end of his first win, instead of being on the field, he was over on the stands taking selfies with fans. And Colt McCoy had to go in and take the kneel down. I had never seen that. I've never seen a quarterback so disinterested in winning that he, uh, and disinterested in his teammates and accomplishing something that he was off taking selfies. When I see that kind of action, it's a deep-rooted core. Can they change it? Yes. Is it likely? No. The NFL moves way too fast for you to be spending any other time worrying about anything other than winning. And I saw too many instances of him either not showing up, uh, rumors of him being late for practices, rumors of him not paying attention in film room, and then when you get out on the field and you see that he doesn't even care about taking the victory formation. With Dwayne Haskins, I think this is a team that's going to be looking for a quarterback around week five or six and could make right. a change. No, I, actually, I think that 
they're set up pretty perfectly. I mean, we talked about this when we did our little NFC draft preview, but I think that they're in a perfect position to just suck this year and end up with Trevor Lawrence next year. Yeah, I think that would be ideal for them. Like, what's the point if you're the Redskins of going eight and eight and ending up with a mid round pick if Haskins doesn't turn out to be that guy? Now, maybe he turns out to be that guy. I guess we'll see. Uh, whatever, but they looked. They pretty consistently, they looked better when Case Keenum was in last yes. year in replacement of Haskins. So, yep. I guess we'll see. Throwing jump balls to a great wide receiver doesn't make you a great quarterback. Um, and then Daniel Jones, uh, his accuracy is there. He's got a few things to work on. I expect a little bit of a leap from him. It would be nice if that team helped him in any way. Uh, it's nice that they added a left tackle. Uh, for him, they added a lot of interior depth as well. Um, the Giants drafted uh, one, two, three linemen, uh, two interior. Oh, sorry, four linemen. Uh, looks like three interior and two tackles. That'll help them. This team is just so devoid of talent. They spent most of their picks on either, literally the two fundamentals of football, your offensive line, your defense. So that looks good. My problem is you have put not much around Daniel Jones to succeed. So he's just in a rough spot again with another head coach. But I think he's got more talent than Haskins. And let's go to the final segment here. Uh, the Vegas win-loss record and predictions. Uh, this is for me uh, a little tougher in terms where you really got to look at everyone's schedule and see who they're going to play when they're playing them. Uh, and try to get an idea of wins and losses. Uh, but let's start, and, I'll, and let me get your thoughts, Leo. Um, the Washington Redskins have a Vegas line of six wins. Where do you put under. them? Under. Under. Okay. Under. Give me the under. Hell no. Nah. Six? Where are they getting six from? <laughs> right. So, I, you know, we'll take a real quick walk through the lane here with them. They're going to go, they're going to play uh, Philly to start. They're going to go to Arizona, to Cleveland. Then they get Baltimore. They get the Rams. They get the Giants, the Cowboys, a bye week, the Giants, the Lions, the Bengals. So your wins are in this streak right here. You've got the Giants, the Giants, the Lions, and the Bengals in, in six weeks. In, in that six weeks, you play the Cowboys, and you have a bye week. So there's four games where you need a couple wins. You then go out on a stretch of Cowboys, Steelers, Niners, Seahawks, Panthers, Eagles. So you could potentially see wins with the Panthers, uh, the Bengals, the Lions, the Giants twice. There are five potential wins. I don't really see where they get six. Uh, I'm with you. I've, I've got the under as well. Yeah, no, I'm not seeing it. I mean, I guess the the games against the Giants and, and the Lions and Bengals, those are all winnable games, but even that is assuming that they win all of their winnable games. Yep. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going. I would be slamming the under. Next team up on our list, uh, let's just keep going with the bad teams. Uh, the Giants, they have a over-under of six and a half right now. Where you got them? <laughs> How? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Here's their schedule, just to break it down. Um, regular, they're going to go Pittsburgh right out the gate. Then they're going to go Chicago. Uh, Chicago is going to be tough for them just because of that defense. Um, 49ers, Rams, Cowboys, they get the Redskins twice. Eagles, Bucks, that's not going to be great for them. Uh, Bengals again. Uh, Cardinals, Cleveland, Dallas, I don't see it either. I don't see how they get five and a half oh sorry they're over under six and a half wins uh, i don't see how they get under i don't I, I just don't see that i i think six for them would be a good bit you know uh, six sounds rich for the redskins and the giants yeah. i mean these are two teams that won four and three games last year like yeah. where are we seeing the huge improvement because i don't see huge roster improvement on either of those teams and let's say you did have improvement you win three games last year you're now at six that's doubling your win total that's pretty good like we said it's tough to go from zero it's tough to get four extra wins in the nfl so you're going to tell me that the Giants somehow got so incrementally better that they are now a eight-win team in a division with the Cowboys and the Eagles. I'm just not buying it. So uh, Unless Ron Rivera and, and Judge 
are somehow accounting for a doubling of win output, then I'm not really seeing how this is possible either. My problem is with COVID, they've had no chance to put in any of that. So new coaches are going to get fucked by this. So that's what's going to suck for the two undisciplined teams uh, who didn't have a lot of talent, who need leadership, may have their leadership. May, we don't know yet. But we know they didn't add a whole bunch of talent, and we know they didn't, you know, didn't get any upgrades in their character division as well. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, both of those I've got under as well. Now, because both of those are under, uh, little secret, I'm going over on both the other teams. Uh, the <laughs> Cowboys have nine and a half as they're over under this year, which is, I think, right about your over under. Uh, just to walk through what they're going to go up against. Um, they've got a early part of their schedule, okay, enables the, the Cowboys to jump out to a pretty substantial lead here, okay? They're going to play in Los Angeles and play the Rams. This is almost a must win because it's going to set the tempo. You're going to play the Rams, then you get the Falcons, then you go to Seattle, then you get Cleveland, then you get the Giants, then you get the Cardinals, and then the Redskins. You better be 5-2 and two out of that. Five and two is the floor for playing the Rams, Falcons, Seahawks, Browns, Giants, Cardinals, Redskins, bada, 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 bing in a row. See, my thing with the Cowboys is it's hard for me to have a lot of confidence in them because I feel like they're one of those teams where every single year, and maybe it's just a media thing because as we all know, the Cowboys are on ESPN. If, if NFL is getting covered for an hour, the Cowboys are getting at least 25 of those minutes. Yep. So... You know, I, I guess I can see why it's the case, but every year we go into the year thinking, oh, this is the Cowboys' year. Oh, they're ready. Oh, Dak this. Oh, Zeke yeah. that. Oh, Amari Cooper this. But, like, wh- where are the wins? Right. And when, I, does it, when does it turn into wins? I really think that Jason Garrett was is a very bad head coach, and getting him out of there will move them from – their, their doldrums of eight and nine win season and move them into a 10, 11 win range, which their over under is nine and a half. I love them to get at least 10 wins. Again, I just walked through their first seven games, okay? They are going to, in those first seven games, they're going to play one team that made the playoffs last year, and that's Seattle. The, the other teams they're playing have not made big roster improvements. The Rams, Falcons, even the Giants are, are all mainly the same. The Cardinals would be a good play for them. Uh, luckily, they get it at home, but the Cardinals are good. After that, it gets a little tough for them. Uh, they're going to go. They're going to play at Philly. Then they're going to get the Steelers. They're going to get Minnesota. They get the Redskins. Then they go to Baltimore, to Cincinnati. They play San Francisco, the Eagles, and the Giants on the way out. This is a team that needs to beat up the bad part of their schedule and split with the good teams. If they do that, they can get to 11 and 12 wins. That's where I think they're going to be. I really think Jason Garrett was that bad. So I've got him over nine and a half wins. Where are you? Where are you landing? I can't go under because the, the division, the other two teams in the division aren't that great. So they should have some gimmies on their schedule. I think last season they were five and one in the division. Yep. Um, so it, it's hard to go under, but... At the same time, I'm only going over if you're forcing me to bet this with a gun to my head. Oh, you know, it's if, a loaded if, gun. Right, a, a loaded and, and a big gun. Too. Yeah, it's a big gun. Yeah, <laughs> a big gun. Can't <laughs> miss type of gun. If I could avoid gun. betting this, I would absolutely avoid betting this because for whatever reason, the Cowboys just, I don't know. They, I feel like they limp into the end of the season every season. So... Maybe McCarthy's the difference. Like you said, Garrett, you know, Garrett wasn't great as a head coach. We'll see how he does as an offensive coordinator. But, yeah, no, I, I'm going to go over, but I don't feel great about the over. I am only over. I kind of like the over because I really don't like uh, – I didn't like Jason Garrett, and I'm a big coach, I'm a big coach front office type of person. Um sliding down to the Eagles. Eagles, nine and a half as well. I really like what Vegas did here. They basically put the over-under for the two worst teams at the same number and then did the same for the two best teams and said they're going to let everyone split between whether they think the Eagles or the Cowboys are going to get their 11 games. I think they're both going to get their 11 games. Um, 
the Eagles start out very similar to the to the Cowboys. They're going to go Redskins, Rams, Bengals right out the gate. Should be three and zero. Then they go. Then they get their meat. 49ers, Steelers, Ravens, and back to back to back weeks. Um, that's going to be tough. Uh, they get the Giants sandwiched uh, in between the Cowboys sandwiched in between the Giants and a bye week. Then Cleveland, Seattle, the Packers, and the Saints. Followed by Cardinals and. Of course, the NFL did this in a clever way. Week 16 is the Cowboys. Week 17, the Redskins. Uh, so the Eagles, to me, are a team that should win 10 wins as their floor. I really like this team. If it stays healthy, I think it could take the one seed in the NFC. Uh, staying healthy is their only problem, and it's been their only problem for three years. Uh, but uh, with with bad division teams, they're going to get four wins. They get teams like the Browns. Um, the Bengals, the Rams start out. This is going to be a dogfight for them all year long, but I still see them over nine and a half wins. I think 10 would be their floor. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, and I hate that we're agreeing so much this episode, but I feel like this division's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, the Eagles, I, I have them as the best team in the division. Where I disagree, I, I don't know about them ending up being the number one seed in the conference by the end of the season. I, I think that there are a few teams in the conference that are clearly better than them but i mean i guess it's possible i definitely see them winning the division they should win double digit games as long as they stay healthy but with the eagles you can't even you know smile and say as long as they stay healthy because they are never healthy so i believe in them if they if they can stay on the field mainly if wentz and wentz's weapons can stay on the field the defense seems to do a pretty good job of staying on the field yeah um and i think that they could they could definitely win the division. They're my favorite to win the division. Uh, I could maybe see them competing for a, a bye, maybe, but I, I don't see them coming in first this year. We're in alignment. Uh, so just to recap this entire breakdown, uh, we did not disagree on a single thing. Uh, that is crazy. It is crazy, but it's, it's kind of when I was looking at the NFC East, I was like, the only thing that I could see discrepancy on is I could see someone saying that the Skins would have a better defense than the Eagles. But besides that, I think everything else is a pretty undisputed fact. Like, the best head coach in the in the East, you know, is the Super Bowl winning Doug Peterson. You know, following that, you probably got to go Mike McCarthy. Uh, you want to give it to Ron Rivera? I just think that's tough considering... The 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 uh, Panthers had like two three good years. They always had these big down years, um, and then what you can't say anything about Joe Judge yet. So you know, offensive talent's pretty straightforward. Defensive talent, like we said, and then QB. I mean, shit, you've got two question marks in this division. Uh, as far as Vegas and the over under, us going over on both those and under on the other two is pretty much how Vegas is trying to lay this thing out. <laughs> uh, and then Vegas hopes you take. The Skins and the Giants both under, and one of them goes over, so they get the juice. And then again with the nine and a half, that you take both of them over, and one of them lands under. So, you know, I, I think the math is all there for us to say that this is a pretty straightforward division, and we're just going to let the football chips fall where they may. So I got a question for you, just to spice some things up, since we didn't disagree on anything. Yep. If, I, I want to know... At this time next year, where this upcoming season is over and we're getting ready for the next season, what do you think is going to be the biggest takeaway from the NFC East? Like, what prediction do you have for what's going to unfold in the division next year that is going to catch us off guard or by surprise? Uh, and I can first if you need a second to think. So really for me, the, thing, the, the narrative I already have in my mind, um, so there are two narratives that I'm starting to draw up. And, and I like to throw narratives out there, work my way through them. If I can't figure out how to work my way to the other side of the argument, I normally have a pretty good, I, I have a bet that I like a lot, right? Like whatever my narrative is, I, I like what's, what's formed around it. Um, I see no improvement from the Giants or the Redskins this year. But I do think that Mike McCarthy stepping in to uh, Jason Garrett's role in Dallas will dramatically change that team. I think that you are going to see what coaching actually looks like. Um, I know Mike McCarthy 
uh, had a lot of uh, a lot of problems with Aaron Rodgers specifically. Um, I know that right now in Dallas there are a lot of contract talks with Dak Prescott, but I gotta say from top to bottom, I think that adding uh, Mike McCarthy is going to make the Dallas Cowboys a legit contender in the NFL and the in the entire NFL. Um, so my hottest take is that Mike McCarthy coming in there gives them an adult in the room where they didn't have it before. I think that uh, Jason Garrett. Super Bowl. I, I here's the thing. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on on what I plan to do this year. Um, I plan to take uh, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott MVP odds uh, as soon as the casino near me opens back up. And once they do that, I'm going to sell both of those tickets for a small profit after week seven. So my goal is in something I look at and going back, I, don't, I know this isn't entirely what you asked, but uh, my real narrative here for the Dallas Cowboys is you have a huge market that a huge percentage of fans uh, follow. Okay, so there are going to be people ravenous to say that they bet or they, you know, they bet on Ezekiel Elliott, they bet on Dak Prescott, but for whatever reason, they didn't actually pull the trigger. So the odds on Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott are pretty high right now, and you can get them. Uh, at, you you can get them at a good enough rate that if they start out well, those rate those rates will just plummet just because of the media. And like I said, the first five teams, seven teams they play are the Rams, the Falcons. Um, oh yeah, the Rams, the Falcons, the Seahawks, the Browns, the Giants, the Cardinals, Redskins. If this team beats the Rams and the Seahawks. And then, you know, follows it up with the regular wins that they should. They're going to be going into a match with the Eagles around 6-1. and one. If you don't think that both Zeke and Dak are going to get MVP talk at that point, I think you're crazy. And that's what I'm going to sell because they're, they're a good team. And I think that if Mike McCarthy takes in the full way, they could be a great team. And I think that, for me, the narrative is you could buy in at a very low rate for MVP of a team that really was held back entirely by a bad head coach. So I think that the thing that's going to shock people is how good the Cowboys are with a competent head coach and a competent game plan. Uh, I think that's really their talent has is what kept them in games, and Jason Garrett uh, removing him is going to propel the Giants into uh, – the Giants, the Cowboys into that – uh, Super Bowl bucket. I haven't worked that thought completely out yet because I still really like the Eagles, but that's where I'm at. I think the Cowboys right now are on the cusp of a great team. Okay. All right. That, I wasn't expecting to hear that. My my uh, spicy prediction going into the season is in the opposite direction of where you went with it. I know you said you don't see any improvement for the Giants or for the uh, Redskins, but I slightly disagree because my prediction is that at this time next year we'll be talking about Daniel Jones as a as a true franchise quarterback for the Giants. I thought last season was a train wreck around him, and he still ended up with 3,000 yards, 24 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, added another two touchdowns on the ground, and ran for almost 300 yards. And that was with a dumpster fire around him. Yeah. So with an improved offensive line, getting hopefully a, a healthy Sterling Shepard, a, a healthy Evan Ingram, um, Darius Slayton, their rookie, looked like he was pretty decent last year. He caught for almost 800 yards and eight touchdowns. I think this time next year, if their line can stay healthy and the weapons can stay healthy, I think we're talking about Daniel Jones like he, he's emerging as one of the top quarterbacks in the division. Not even just in the division, in the conference. Maybe even in the league. Well, that's spicy. Um... I, I don't have... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have a long list of stats or something to, to to explain my reasoning. I just think that last year he outperformed what he should have done. And and if you're outperforming expectations as a rookie with 
a, a literal dumpster fire yep. surrounding you, then I think with a little bit more stability, a little bit more protection, we might see big things from Daniel Jones, which makes me happy because when Daniel Jones got drafted, everyone shit on him. Yep. And I didn't know anything about him, nor did I really care, but I felt bad for the guy. And he came out and he dunked on these analysts. And I hope he does it again. Yeah, and he dunked on them without really any supporting cast. I mean, the the to, to judge him in any way would be, I think, very foolhardy. Uh, I mean, look, his best wide receiver is Golden Tate. Golden Tate's fine. But you want Golden Tate is like, Golden Tate's like Mohamed Sanu. If he's your third guy, you got a good wide receiver group. If he's your first guy, you have a bad wide receiver group. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so, you know, they've, they've, got some ta- they've got some talent here. It looks like Andrew Thomas, the guy they drafted, is going to be their right, their right tackle. Nate Soldier's their left tackle. Um the middle of that line's got to get fixed. But they've got three new players in it. We'll see. I, I think the 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 Giants could be the improved team in that. It could be that that you know five and a half that flips it to the over. My only problem with them is Daniel Jones going to have to be really good because that defense is terrible. I don't. Well, let let me be clear. My yeah. take is not that the Giants will be good. Okay, that Daniel <laughs> Jones that will be defense, good. defense, like you said, is that they don't have much talent. They got there. no talent. And they're going to have to spend a whole next offseason fixing that. I mean, but I, don't, I, don't I just think, think they... Daniel Jones in a vacuum will, will be much improved. I don't think the, the, the Giants have anyone on their defense that, like, we would want on our teams. Just to put, like, how bad the defense is. They just, they just don't have shit. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think Daniel Jones could be one of those quarterbacks we look back on and we're like, uh, like, hey, this guy was, was good. We all missed it, you know? Uh, and everyone did ridicule the shit out of that front office. So, we'll see. Right, and that, I felt bad for him, honestly. I, I I'm not, like, I don't, I'm not a huge college football guy. So, you telling yeah. me that the Giants taking Daniel Jones out of Duke, that's not really telling me much. So, it, when they drafted him, I'm just looking at the TV like, okay. <laughs> but the, but then the analysts just take a dump on this man's whole life, and and I'm looking at the TV like, man, I I hope that he turns into a good player because man, they are they're trashing him. And, and that's so you know my whole thing with Dallas and the market. That's the New York media market. Okay, that's what this is. You you have to understand that when you bet and and we get towards betting, and we'll have a breakdown on this at some point. You have to know who your audience is. If I think the next big thing of betting is going to be buying these MVP slips or these season-long slips. And, you know, you get them at 40 to 1 odds and you sell them for, you know, you pay $100, you sell them then for, you know, 350 uh, And you, you don't make the full Monty on them. But as soon as the odds start to turn and they become a top 10 guy... You, you trade that ticket into someone and make money on the margins. The thing with winning and gambling is you need to be, uh, the way Vegas gets you is you, you're never winning the margin. They win the margin. You have to figure out ways to put yourself into that margin. And the way to do that is to, like you say, everyone turn on Daniel Jones. Why? You know, if the Redskins drafted him, we wouldn't have viciously attacked him the way we did. Uh, but it's the New York media market. There are millions of New York Giant fans. So, you know, if a small percentage of Giants fans feel some way, it's still a million people. And that yeah, voice right. gets boomed out. Much like in Dallas, you know, Skip Bayless, you know, uh, that's all oh, Skip Bayless got to start in Dallas, right? So you, you just see these, um, you know, if you can take advantage of what the public's thinking, you can make some money. And just like they went after Daniel Jones, look, if Dallas starts out 6-1, and one, you better believe Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott will both be in the top 10 of MVP discussions. And they're not right now, but they could be. And with that media behind them, they love a good narrative. Remember, the media votes for that MVP. So, right. you know, those things are all to keep, keep in mind. And that's how you get that fervor. But Daniel Jones got blasted for no fucking reason, just because we didn't like David Gettleman. So. Hey, do do we have odds on Coach of the Year yet? Uh, let me let me quickly Google it. Um, because as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking like, if this is all the case and this is all a possibility uh, for the Cowboys, then Mike McCarthy Coach of the Year odds might be kind of tasty. 
Yeah, and and that's kind of where I'm that leaning. That is a huge narrative right there. Mike McCarthy going into Dallas. So here's where we are. Uh, the thing about Coach of the Year is uh, there's no perennial favorite when you go in. And what I mean by that is Bill Belichick has the greatest odds on uh, FanDuel right now. But Bill Belichick's 12-1. to 1. Yeah, the thing with Coach of the Year, and, and again, we'll have a segment on this, but just to give you an idea, Bill Belichick's twelve to one. That's the that's the front runners. Bill Belichick at twelve to one. So you know you have there are there are Mike McCarthy's twelve to one also of fucking course. So that, you know that's what I'm talking about. That's the Dallas market. Mike McCarthy's twelve to one. I still think those are pretty good odds at twelve to one. But that's what I'm talking about. Your Coach of the Years are all kind of muddled together. Uh, that's harder to bet on. You're gonna, you're going. I should do some deep dive on that on on what uh, the coach of the year and what um, what ranking the team had going into the postseason because I would bet they've got to be a one or a two seed across the board. So you know the worst case is Doug Marone at, at fifty to one. Uh, Bill O'Brien's forty four to one, which is really fucking funny. Um, considering he'll probably have a playoff team they basically are like you're such a bad gm that you're a terrible coach uh so that so that's where it lays bill belichick's right now odds on favorite uh sean payton is 22 to 1 just some just some calls andy Reid is 22 to 1 that's interesting um so that, that's where's where's bruce arians at bruce arians is number three with 14 to 1 and again you're seeing the public shake this list bruce arians mike mccarthy Frank Reich is number three on this list. Cliff Kingsbury is number four. Sean McDermott's number five. Kevin Stefanski's number six. How many wins would the Cardinals have to get for Kingsbury to win Coach of the Year? Eleven. I think higher than that. I think they they need to get a bye if that man's going to win Coach of the Year. Yeah, and they're going to have a terrible defense. So it's just funny. You see the media shaping this, and that's, again— We'll do a whole breakdown of it and where the sweet spots are. But the John Harbaugh, who got it last year, is 22 to 1. Andy Reid, who won the Super Bowl, is 22 to 1. In between them and Bill Belichick are Mike McCarthy, Bruce Arians, Frank Wright, Cliff Kingsbury, Sean McDermott, Kevin Stefanski, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Vrabel. So you've got in between three Super Bowl winning quarterback uh, head coaches, you have really a slew of people who some have never even made the playoffs. So. Well, we'll see what happens there. And it's mostly, you know, a lot of Kevin Stefanski at 20 to 1 is mind-numbing. But that's the public for you. So, all right. That's another breakdown. A little bit of a detour a couple times. But the weather's been nice, and we had the top down. So, uh, you can find us. I think that does it. Any parting shots, Leo? Um, No. No, still working on that same Bucks article that I talked about last week. Uh, the weekend was way more unproductive than I planned on. Yeah. So, at some point this week, you'll definitely see a, a nice little breakdown of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at pickandscroll.com. You can find me at pick the letter N scroll on Twitter. And you can find us on Spotify, the Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're on everything now. Thanks to We're Leo's, everywhere, baby. Thanks to Leo's hard work um, putting us out there. You can find me on Pick and Play 37 on Twitter. Uh, and next week, we will break down the last of the NFC divisions. We have covered the North, the East, the South, and now we're going to head West. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great time.